0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon.
1: Let us hear tonight's scripture from the cha- second chapter of Luke. Luke. Normally, I invite everyone to stand for the scripture, but you all have been standing for a long time, so I will give you the choice. You may stand to hear this gospel reading, or you may take a seat to ponder it more deeply in your heart. Whatever will allow you to more fully engage and listen to the scripture, I invite you to do so now. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver the child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah, the Lord And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. The word of the Lord. Please take a moment for a silent reflection.
0: Let's pray together. Gracious God, in this moment of silence and reflection, maybe the most silent and reflective we've been all week. Because the great irony of this month is that um, we're supposed to stay home and do nothing. And yet our minds still race so fast and so frantically. That in the season, we're invited to contemplate and reflect and slow down. But the reality is we really speed things up by purchasing more, by planning more. and So we end up anxious and tired. But now, help us to see this very moment, however we arrive at this point, exhausted or invigorated, hopeful or despairing, feeling connected in community with bonds of warm love and relationship, or feeling lonely or depressed or addicted. Coming into this moment with hope and joy or with fear, We come to this story, this scripture we just heard, believing and unbelieving, and most of us somewhere in between. But however we come to this very moment, help us to see that we have far more in common with each other than we realize. That on one hand, none of us has it all together. Each of us is what could be described as a beautiful mess, more broken than we even realize. And at the same time, you see us And you know us in all our complexity and all our contradictions, in all the ways we get it, in all the ways we don't get it. You see us, you know us, and you love us. Help us to see that you show the extent of your love as you become one of us so that we might become one with you. In the person and work of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray that you would teach us by the power of your Holy Spirit in a way that our lives would be transformed and this world would be renewed. And so now, whether for the first time or for the thousandth time, we pray that you would break through our darkness with your light, just as you did on that first Christmas day. In your name, amen. I was thinking earlier today about this story that was told of a girl in England. This little girl was in art class and. She never paid attention in class until this one day she was studiously paying attention to the teacher, and then she began to draw. And the teacher said, well, what are you drawing? And she said, I'm drawing a picture of God. And the teacher said, no one knows what God looks like. And she said, they will in a minute. In many ways, that's what we learn at Christmas, what God actually looks like. There's a time when later on in John chapter 14, Jesus' friends who have lived with him, traveled with him, dined with him, they say, Jesus, this is all amazing, but if you just show us God, that would be the best. And he says, how long have I been with you? Don't you know when you see me, you see the Father, because the Father and I are one. Later, in an early letter written to one of the very first urban churches, they will say Christ is the image of the invisible God, the exact imprint of God's divine nature. In other words, when you look at Jesus, you see what God has to say. And so the danger of the story that we just read is that it's probably familiar to most people here. Even if you're not a regular church-going person, you've probably seen the Charlie Brown Christmas special where where Linus uses his, uh, his blanket as the shepherd's stole. And for those of us who have heard it regularly and are familiar with it, it has the risk of kind of lulling us to sleep by becoming one of these great stories we pull out at about this time of year, and then we kind of put it away and we move on. And yet, if we actually pay attention to it, and we don't just lay it on the surface of our lives, but we allow it to go really deep, down into our hearts and into our souls, and we allow it to actually get some vibrancy, it has the potential to breathe us back into life. Especially at a time like this. I read an article in the New York Times this morning, and the title was, The U.S. Pastors Are Trying to Reconcile the Hope of Christmas with a desolate year, right? That's part of the hard work that pastors like Laurel and Colin and myself have. That's part of the hard work that you have of reconciling the hope of Christmas with a desolate year until you pay attention to the original Christmas story and you realize that the setting of the first Christmas was a desolate time. Scripture is very honest about what it's like to be a human being with all the beautiful parts and all the broken parts. Do not miss that the light of Christ, when God comes into the world, chooses to come not in a palace with power, prestige, and privilege, but to come in a manger. Not to come where the buffet is full of all the food, but comes in a place where animals are eating. The light shines in the darkness in a moment when Mary, who at this point is an unwed teenage girl who has no resources and is facing utter potential humiliation, is going to get good news of great joy because God's with her. Mary and Joseph are so unconnected, they cannot even get a hotel room on the night their child is going to be born. And it's in that setting, God says, you think you're out of resources, You think the story's over. You think it's the end of hope, and yet it's in the midst of that darkness. I'm about to do my best work. And so, friends, when you reconcile, when you hold together the tension of the hope of Christmas with a desolate year, just know you are in good company, and God has no problem moving toward you in the darkest parts of your life. In fact, I would make the case those are the places he's paying specific attention to. And in the middle of a baby in a manger, of amazed shepherds, of trumpeting angels, we have a proclamation. There's good news of great joy. There will be peace on earth. That's an astounding proclamation then and now. I mean, even before the COVID pandemic, peace is so elusive for us, right? Even if you think of peace as the absence of conflict, did you ever notice that the relationships that are closest to you are the hardest ones to have peace in all the time? seems like the closer you get to someone, sometimes the harder it is, and yet it's so critical. Or how about peace in our own lives? We are conditioned to buy more products so that hopefully, if you have that hair care product, or that suit, or that car, or that vacation, then you will have peace. But you know, if you've saved up for a nice vacation in the tropics, you get to that beach and you know what you're left with? You're still left with yourself. We pursue peace at all costs, and it drives us frantically. I saw a a post on our local next-door account, right over here, we live right here, and it said, to the owner of the yellow tabby cat on such and such street, I'm sorry she got sprayed by a skunk. I tried to shoo her away, but she just kept going back for more. And I thought, what a picture of our lives. We just keep going back for more, and it doesn't work, and we try to double down and do more of it. And he says, in the midst of all that, I come and bring you peace. Now, I realize someone's going, hold on, you know, my friend dragged me to church. Maybe you're watching online right now. Ah, this is the part where you just lose me, you're saying. You're saying, okay, fine. Angels, virgin birth, you know, God enters in as a baby, please. This is the stuff of mythology. This is the stuff that, this is the opiate of the masses. This is what people tell themselves when they want to feel better. And it's almost as if Luke, the gospel writer, anticipates that objection. And he says, I know how myth is written. I know how legend goes. And this is not the stuff of myth and legend. You know, last Friday, like many of you, we finished off the latest season of Mandalorian and the great Star Wars season. And I'm not, no spoilers, no spoilers, but, but I, I love the Star Wars stuff, especially when the grand full feature movies, when it starts in a galaxy far away and a time long ago. And you know, the setting is, this is entertainment, right? This is not to be taken as fact, but that's not the way the gospel of Luke tells the story. Luke doesn't say, in a time long ago, in a land far away, and don't bother asking about the details. Luke names names and times and places. He says, in the very beginning, in the days of Caesar Augustus, there was a decree, there was a census in the Roman world. It was while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their town to register. Joseph went from Nazareth and Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem. He's saying, this is not a legend. You can go to these places. You can look these things up. These things actually happen. And so I would just ask you, what if Christmas is more than just a great story that people tell themselves to feel better about themselves in this world? What if the light historically, what if God actually found a way to break through to you and me, that the creator of this world actually entered into human time and space to change everything Forever. My friends, if that didn't happen, this story is no better and no worse than any other great fiction. But if that did happen, it changes everything. The only response that doesn't make sense is to mildly kind of tip of the hat and show a little respect and then keep moving on. Because this either changes everything or it changes nothing. He says, these things happened. Christmas will transform your life. So let's just unpack, just in these few minutes here, let's look at this idea of peace that transforms the world. Let's just ask, who is it, or what is it, who is it for, and how do you receive it? Okay, first, what is it? The word peace most translated in scripture, the Hebrew word, shalom. You've heard this before. Shalom is not just personal well-being. It's not just the absence of conflict, like you're not in a fight with other people, so you're at peace. It includes that, but it's a whole lot more. Shalom is a picture of holistic restoration of relationships, of flourishing. It's what we're all after. I mean, to get into the idea of shalom, of the kind of peace that the Bible talks about, you have to get into the big story. When scripture begins, it starts with a good God creating a beautiful world and blessing it and delighting in it and saying, it is good. So we live in a beautiful world. We could all go around right now and tell stories of beauty in our lives, in this city, in this world. But not too long after, the first human beings said, you know, I don't actually trust that God is out for my best interest. I think I could do a better job of running my own life. And they took matters into their own hands. And very soon things began to unravel and to decay. And there was distance between God and humans. There was distance between humans and our understanding of ourselves. There was distance between humans and their rightful relationships. But God didn't stand far off and just say, you know, you made your choice. Now you got to live with it. As soon as the brokenness begins, God steps in and says, I will make all things right. And God chooses to do it in a very interesting way. Instead of rolling up God's sleeves and hitting everybody with a lightning bolt so they would just get with the program, God said, I will actually elect a person that will become a a nation. And through this nation who I will bless, Israel, all the nations will be blessed. The only problem is they did what you and I would do with a blessing like that. They didn't live up to it. Remember, he said, I will bless you and through you, all the nations will be blessed. And they said, you're going to bless me? I'll take it. Forget about the other nations. So instead of pouring out bounty and blessing and beauty upon others, they amassed as much military might as they could, as much financial strength as they could, and they pushed out the outsiders and they lifted up the insiders. And the story of Israel is this tragic comedy of king after king after king. This will be the one who will lead us. Nope. This will be the one who will lead us. Nope. And the prophets and the poets always coming in in their beautiful artistic way they do saying, return to God. And the people say, nope. In fact, as I was studying this, it's very intriguing. These shepherds, you know, it's my job to study this stuff. I've studied it for years. And today I realized the shepherds, Actually, if you double click on the term shepherd, you know, all these other little windows open up on your computer. And one of them is from Ezekiel chapter 34. He was one of the poets. He was one of the prophets, one of the people calling the people of God back to their blessing. And in Ezekiel, he said, the kings of Israel were entrusted to be like shepherds for the people. They were supposed to make sure the people ate the good food and were free from attack from outsiders, and cared for them, and strengthened the weak, and bound up the broken. But you were not good shepherds. You got fat off the sheep because you ate them. You used their wool to keep yourselves warm. You didn't care about them. And God then says, and so I'll become the good shepherd. And I'll make sure my people eat. And I'll make sure my people are protected. And I'll make sure my people know The unity and the dignity and the beauty that they were created for and so I just find it I get a chuckle when I think isn't it great that one of the first groups of people who found out the light had come was this group of ragtag shepherds on the hillside pointing the way to the true shepherd and why did he come to restore shalom to reunite us with God to reconnect us with each other and with our true selves, to redirect us outward in mission to serve one another. And note, the story of Christmas is not that we have found a way to break through to God, but that God has found a way to break through to us. We'll get to that in a minute with how you receive it. So what is it? It's shalom. It's holistic flourishing that you were made for. Now, who's it for? I would be a terrible comedian. I'd steal all my own thunder, ruin all my own jokes. Who's it for? It's for everyone. Mary, this unwed mother who can't even get a hotel room on the night her child's born, and these shepherds who are probably teenage boys who are made fun of and looked down upon, they were considered unclean in the Jewish religious system. No authority, no prestige. These are not the strategic early adopters you try to launch your products to or your mission to if you're trying to get a bunch of people to come and join in. And God goes to them, the lowly and the outsider. Later, we're going to meet the magi, the wise men. We don't know much about them except they were not from around here. In fact, they were pagan astrologers. They were religious outsiders as well. Probably the last people you would expect to come looking for the savior of the world. But they were wealthy. They were educated. They had access. They had prestige. So when you put all that together, Who is this for? It's for the lowly and the down and out. It's for those who are lifted up and educated and wealthy. It's for those who are on the inside of the religious establishment and those who can't believe you're actually in a church right now listening to these very words. It's for the wealthy and poor, for every ethnicity and culture. The great surprise is, it's for you. And it's for me. Maybe at some point in the next 24 hours, you'll have the chance to see some sort of a depiction of the baby Jesus in the manger. And I just want you to overlay that with the image of the creator of the world choosing that as the way to come to you. Vulnerable, true love is always vulnerable, open to being hurt. He comes down to you and me, it's for you. You know what else it means? It means it's for them. When I say them, you have an image that comes, whoever they are, that person that you can't stand, that people group that doesn't think like you, that doesn't vote like you, that you disagree with. It's for them. It actually makes outsiders into insiders because it makes a whole new family altogether. To come to Christ and to be found in his community means that you're adopted into the family of God and you have all sorts of brothers and sisters you would have never chosen if it was up to you. And that's actually for your own good because if we kept out the people who don't belong, I couldn't be here. You couldn't be here. It's for everyone. So how do, you, how do you access it? And this might actually be the hardest thing because it's so counterintuitive. The first way you access it is, the only thing you need is nothing. That is so hard for us to realize and admit that we're not actually self-sufficient especially those of us who've been able to string together a couple of seasons of success, whatever that looks like, achievement, whatever that looks like. And this comes to you and it offends you because it says there's nothing you can do to earn this one. It comes freely as a gift. And that's the whole point, that this peace comes as grace from God. God initiates and breaks through to Mary, to the shepherds, to the whole world, to you. So your hard work is actually to create space in your life and a willingness to be open to whatever God wants to do next. But my friends, that's where the great adventure begins. So what does it look like for you to open yourself to this peace that's coming? Maybe it means to increase your commitment to walking with other in a thoughtful, authentic community like St. Luke's or Renew Church or any of the other great churches here in San Diego, to actually not walk alone and be intentional about your connection to God. I would love to have that conversation with you. I know both pastors of St. Luke's would love to as well. You reflect and you rejoice. I love, we'll get to the shepherds in a second and then we'll, we'll close out this sermon, but I love that Mary's first response is, verse 19, she treasured and she pondered all these things in her heart. There's so much action. There's so many sparks flying. And Mary, this woman who just had a baby, I'm sure she's like, if you guys would just take the baby for a day, I'll sleep for a little while. I'm just going to treasure and ponder these things for a while. I'm tired. Maybe that's our hard work in the next 24 hours, to just treasure and ponder these things in your heart and let them grow like a very deep tree putting down roots so that it could grow into something beautiful and big. So first is you receive it. But the second is you let it change you. You let it propel you. It redirects you. This good news of great joy, this peace that comes into the world, it redirected Mary's life forever. But it also made the shepherds go an entirely new direction. Just as God's first covenant with Israel was, I will bless you, and through you all the nations will be blessed, today Jesus comes to you and me and says, My peace will go to you, and it will go through you to others. What does it look like for you to embody this good news in your workplace or in your family? Or on your block or in your building. And you have a new message to proclaim altogether. The shepherds went from fear to faith, from hiding to boldness. And they have a new message to proclaim good news. One friend used to say to me, Everybody's life sings a song. Do you know what song your life is singing? Everybody's life tells a story. What is the story that your life is telling? Ask a dear friend or a loved one who knows you well. If my life was a book, what would the title be and why? And to get caught up in this story means you have an entirely new story to proclaim. But friends, let me remind you, don't try this without the gospel. Because it all begins with the grace of God, where the light breaks through in the darkness to bring shalom and peace for all of us. Let that go deep into your heart. Let that melt your heart and then propel you outward in mission to serve the world. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this day of celebration and this time now where, as we began with that quote, the hope of Christmas with the desolating times that we're enduring, and yet that's where you do your finest work. And so would you move now into our lives and into this world with not only the hope of Christmas, but the substance of it, which is nothing less than the personal presence of your son, Jesus Christ, who gives himself on our behalf and walks with us even now. And so would you now open our eyes to see your grace, our ears to hear your truth, our minds to receive all that you'd give us and our hearts to courageously follow you wherever you'd lead. We pray all these things for our good and for your glory. Amen.